listening to EMS with your hosts, Eric Axine and Matt Ball. You know, I was glad you texted me uh, yeah. last night. Yeah. I wasn't able to watch Monday Night Football last night. I usually try to watch it. But. Yeah, yeah, us too. Yeah, I was at the station last night, and we were watching something else, and uh, one of the guys I work with was like, hey, do you guys see this? And mm-hmm. kind of came up and showed us the video, and he said, they did CPR on the guy. I was like, whoa, that's unusual. Mm-hmm. And so obviously I thought about, because we, we actually started talking about it, and I remember back from paramedic school them talking about, you know, getting a sudden uh, blunt trauma to your chest yeah. can cause somebody to go into uh, cardiac arrest. But I thought, well, heck, I know a, a guy that might know about this who's a not just a physician, mm-hmm. but actually an NFL sideline physician. Correct. So tell me a little bit about that. I don't, I don't know anything about an NFL. What do you do? Well, we'll get into some of the details of cardiac arrest and some of the causes for it. One of yeah. the causes is blunt chest trauma. Yeah. If it's done at the right, you know, the right location at the right time during the cardiac cycle. But, right. Um, but yeah, um, you know, I'm called an airway management physician. And so what we'll do is we'll, um, as we've talked about before, mm-hmm. uh, if there was a need to establish an airway in one of the football players, whether it's the home team, the Dallas Cowboys, or the away team, the visiting team, mm-hmm. um, we would be on field as an expert capable of getting that airway. Okay. You know, you, you can't live long without food. You right. can't live long without water. Yeah. <laughs> But you really, yeah, you can't live can't more live. than a few minutes without air. So yeah. the air, airway is a very important skill um, and to be able to, uh, you know, to be sure. able to be successful. I mean, if, if somebody isn't able to get an airway in a patient that needs it, they could, they could die in minutes. Yeah, right. right. So anyway, so the NFL um, uh, has created a position called the airway management physician. And at every home game, the home team mm-hmm. has to furnish that airway expert. And why, why do they call it an airway? Why is it airway? Like, is that all you're doing is airway? No, or? no okay. good question. Yeah, that was, um, these, are, these are great questions you're asking. I have family and friends I've always, always ask this. me this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I am called an airway management physician, and that is one of the primary reasons why I am there mm-hmm. is the uh, establishing an airway. Okay. Um, if, if there was a, a catastrophic event like what happened last night, right. um, getting an airway is one of the first things that we'll do. Um, One of the first things. Yeah. Um, But one of the other things that I'm responsible for as well, if I'm the airway management physician at that game, Mm -hmm. is orchestrating and working with my paramedics um, uh, to uh, handle the cardiac arrest situation. Okay. Um, So my primary role within working a patient with cardiac arrest will be the airway. Sure. And then one of my lead paramedics will help with timing and you know assigning roles. And, right. And we orchestrate it and practice it before the season starts. Okay. So we're ready to go. Yeah. Um, and this is this is a much different situation than a, a typical football injury. Yeah, so and I was wondering about that. Again, we've I knew you worked for the NFL and but we've never really talked in detail. So I'm curious, like, you know, obviously players go down all the time, you know, knee injury or they get the, whatever, the wind knocked out of them. Um, I'm assuming that it's initially like trainers for the team that kind of come and initially check the patient. Is that right? Uh, Yeah, actually it's a paramedic. It's the first one. Oh, the guys that aren't? Oh, really? Well, I mean, uh, I'll explain. So we, um, when there's an injury on the field, um, we all stand in our areas. The, the, okay. the trainers and the, the physicians that work with the team, the orthopedic surgeons and the neurosurgeons, 
um, they're they're usually standing within the team on the sidelines, and they can be anywhere. Okay. Whereas if you wanted to find me, I'll be on somewhere between the 25 and the 30 yard line, carrying a, a backpack with my airway gear in it. Oh, okay. and and then standing with me is the, my lead paramedic. And so if there's any sort of an injury on the field, my lead paramedic will go out onto the field to see if it's the type of an injury where I need to, to come out there. And so the lead paramedic, he's like a local paramedic? Mm-hmm. Local Or is local this hired paramedic? by the NFL or somebody no. you pick or how does that work? Good question. Yeah, no, we, we work with, um, with uh, private EMS agencies. We also work with local fire departments okay. to uh, provide emergency medical services for the game. Got it. And uh, um, the care given there under my medical license mm-hmm. um, will help to, uh, you know, save patients' lives. And if it's a professional athlete mm-hmm. uh, that gets injured, um, the lead paramedic as well as the athletic trainer and mm-hmm. other some other physicians that work for the team will go out there and, and it doesn't take long to identify the fact that right. there's something really wrong. Right, like last night. Like last yeah. night. Yeah. So in the past, we've had hand signals. Uh, there was a, a few seasons back we used earpieces, mm-hmm. um, and we would communicate with one another. Uh, but the communication's key there in identifying a life-threatening emergency where they would need the ER physician myself to right. go out there and, and take over right. and, and to deliver the life-saving care. So every time a player goes down, regardless of you know whatever it is, every single time a player goes down, a paramedic is part of the group that comes out to this see is, is how, this beyond just a minor. This is how the Dallas Cowboys do it. Okay. Um, and uh, they will, uh, the paramedic, my lead paramedic will go out there. Uh, he's standing on the sideline with yeah. me. And then the athletic trainer uh, for the Dallas Cowboys or maybe the other team or whatever, they'll send out their, their staff yeah. Yeah, as yeah, yeah, well. Yeah. So there's a team of people out yeah, there. Yeah, right. But right. I usually don't go out there for just the basic injury. Sometimes sure. if it looks like a particularly gruesome injury, sometimes I'll, I'll walk out onto the field right. just to be ready. And, yeah. Uh, but most of the time, I'm just standing on the sideline with the team waiting uh, to, to see if I'm needed or not. But that's interesting that they have a paramedic going out there to see if this is like last night. Mm-hmm. Is this something beyond the normal like knee injury? I just figured it was a couple of trainers going out there to see what was going on. I didn't realize that that well, was... Well, see, it's different in each stadium. Right. And the, the away, the visiting teams that, that come out, they'll they'll see the way we do things, and they'll comment on how it might be different than another stadium where they visited. So okay. in Dallas, this is the way we do it. And uh, we work closely with the paramedics. Sure. We work closely with the athletic training staff on the team, both teams. Right. Um, and then we work closely with our physicians as well. Now, there's, uh, we work closely with the referees as well. We have meetings before the game okay. with the medical staff from the visiting team, the home team, the referees. I mean, we, we, there's, there's, uh, we have a number of different set meetings at a certain time before kickoff. Okay. And so there's quite a, there's quite a bit of, of communication Planning. and Planning yeah. and planning, preparation, yeah. that goes into the uh, into the, the game. But the in, most injuries though are, are usually orthopedic injuries, right. a hurt right. knee or an ankle or a, a neck maybe. Well, and I think that's bed. why people were so shocked last night. I mean, you're talking about a 24 year old professional athlete. Mm-hmm. I mean, probably one of the fittest people on earth well, yeah. going down, and the hit didn't even look. Look I like mean, a normal hit. Yeah, it looked like a normal hit. There wasn't anything that you would look at that hit and go, oh, my gosh, that guy's in bad shape until he yeah. got up. That's right. Well, um, this and, – and I think this is what I, I, all airway management physicians across the NFL fear mm-hmm. is something like this happening. Right. And uh, fe- I don't mean fear in that uh, we're afraid of it. Yeah, uh, but it's just that this yeah. is what uh, – as an ER physician – It's the worst possible – 
Right. Situation. And my mantra is to be prepared for the worst. I always hope for the best, Absolutely. but I prepare for the worst. That's our job. Yeah. 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 It's so, our jobs. Um, so yeah, the hit didn't look overly impressive. And then obviously he got up and I think even a layperson could tell the way that he got up and then the way that he collapsed yeah. was not just a normal no, thing. That's not good. No. That, that my uh, my blood pressure would have gone up, and I'd have been running out onto the field. So that and would have cued you, just knowing what you know. Well, we've never been in that situation, but we practice it. Sure. And when we practice it, we're we're you know we're hightailing it out there uh, because you know seconds matter Absolutely. with these types of things. Yeah. So with this particular incident with Mr. Hamlin on the Buffalo Bills. Um, you know, the, the staff there, they responded immediately from, yeah. from what I've read. Um, and uh, they were on the field for close to 10 minutes, I yeah. think, um, getting that heart started again. Yeah. Now, most people don't know this, but on, in Hollywood, uh, when someone goes into cardiac arrest, it's like 99% successful. <laughs> Hollywood. But the reverse is actually true. Um, a very small percentage of people that go into cardiac arrest actually survive to hospital discharge. Yeah, exactly. Over, <coughs> Getting overall, the back overall. isn't, yeah, exactly. But the cool thing about what happened last night, which is, we've talked about this before in yes. our cardiac arrest lectures we've done for ACE, yes. is that bystander CPR, having somebody start the CPR right away, yes. improves survival dramatically. That t the slope of death, right? Yep. So yep. Flattens that curve and that yep. slope of death. It's 10% every minute. Your survivability decreases by ten percent. That's correct. And as soon as you start compressions, that line starts to level off. That's right. So I would think he got. Obviously, I didn't see it live, mm -hmm. so I don't know how fast. But I'm assuming he probably had chest compression started within two minutes. Less than a minute, I would say. Yeah, okay, even because that fast. It, because uh, I know we the footage I've seen of him, um, uh, the the action started just you know seconds after. Yeah. He had collapsed. They realized what was going on. So I would yeah. say that there was somebody on that chest after having found him pulseless, you know, you know, getting the chest compressions going. We were talking about this too, uh, kind of a side note. The um, uh, shoulder pads yeah. doing chest compressions, with the, do you, did they remove those? Well, see, that's part of what we, we could spend a whole lecture on. I'm this. sure, yeah. No, no, it's kind yeah. of cool. I mean, uh, this the is part of what I enjoy. Yeah. We actually work with our paramedics and we work with our the, the athletic training uh, staff for the Dallas Cowboys and, mm -hmm. and we work with our physicians. And, mm -hmm. and there's a group of us sideline physicians. It's not just me. We have a, there's, there's a, a few of us there that we work together and share the games. And, but we all train together and, and we actually orchestrate straight how we would go about doing this and we there's a group that we work with i can't remember their name but it's all evidence-based and, yeah. and uh you know the way we remove a helmet the way we remove right. the pads and the jersey it's all very quick and practiced yeah so you know what you know from the quick release bolts and the helmet face mask right. Um, and you've the, got all the equipment people there. I mean, exactly. it's a perfect situation. That, so we get in there pretty quick yeah. to, to take care of the, okay. the, the, uh, all the equipment. That's a great question. And that's, that's an important part of it because the, these patients are unique. Oh, super unique. Super now, healthy, though, which is good. True. They're, they're usually they're, healthy. Yeah. Usually healthy. And uh, there are medical problems, obviously, everywhere. But sure. these guys, by and large, are, are large muscular, very healthy guys that yeah. are going into cardiac arrest. Not, it's not like they're just sitting on the couch. 
Right. These guys are exerting, exerting themselves, yeah. so I'm sure his heart rate was pretty high. Sure. And uh, but these guys are very fit and healthy, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, they're usually very large. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, you know the amount of medication they may require for various things could be quite a bit different than the sure. regular population. Person, yeah. But let's let's talk a little bit more about what's going on with with what could have happened. Yeah, that's what that was, was what I was going to ask. Is what ex I mean? There's been obviously nobody knows for sure, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly what happened at this point. No. But what is the general opinion of what uh, they think happened? Well, let me say this first: is that when you and I talked, we wanted to get this podcast out quick. Yes. There's a lot of information coming out, and I am communicating with some of the physicians who are closer, and I can't give away a lot of that information. But the one thing I will say, though, is that um, what likely had happened, in, and and uh, what's really important to us to talk about, is this, this concept of commotio cordis, mm -hmm. where blunt chest trauma can interfere with the way that the heart beats. Mm -hmm. And so our viewers, you know, maybe a, a paramedic working a, a blunt chest trauma in a car accident. Yeah. You find that patient in asystole. Yep. Chances of survival are not so good. Zero, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, you see PEA or some sort of an electrical activity uh, or pulses or whatever. Um, the the, um, the chances of survival are much better. Yeah. And so we work these patients differently. Now, what happened on the field last night was there was energy transferred to the patient's heart Mm -hmm. from that impact, mm -hmm. that blunt chest trauma. Mm -hmm. Now, with commotio cordis, they've studied this. It's very interesting. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to geek out too much. You know me. <laughs> but, but if you hit over the heart, the mm -hmm. precordial area, mm -hmm. um, and you interfere with that left ventricle right. uh, with, the, with the energy transferred through the chest wall into the heart, mm -hmm. at the right time, you can create life-threatening heart rhythms, and you don't want that. Yeah, right. Um, so, so it's the location getting hit in the chest, and then the timing within the cardiac cycle. And we talked about it on the TikTok we yep. did this morning yep. um, with that uh, right before the peak of the T wave, between right. 10 and 30 you know, milliseconds before that, there's this period we call the danger zone mm -hmm. where if you have that cardiac Im impact in that danger zone, you right. could potentially go into ventricular fibrillation, right. Right. which is not a perfusing rhythm. No. No, we all know that. So, uh, One of the things I thought was interesting, too, was a lot of people had commented about how he took the hit, they they went to the ground, obviously, and then he stood back up. Yeah. And one of the things that I heard was that once a patient goes into full cardiac arrest and they are no longer producing a blood pressure, they are no longer producing a pulse, it takes about six seconds for the brain to lose enough oxygen or perfusion mm -hmm. uh, to where they actually start to lose consciousness. And right. we were looking at the video and we counted and it was about five seconds from the time he got the hit to when he stood up and then went uh, collapsed and went unconscious, which yep. kind of fits the whole well, hit picture. There are a couple of interesting factors at play here, which is kind of cool to think about. Now, we talked a lot about cellular physiology and how yep. you bring fuel to the cell, yep. and the cell uses oxygen and, and all that and stuff and releases waste products. Anyway, yep. But when a cell has that energy, now the brain cells are super hungry for, for glucose and oxygen. Yep. Um, and, and at the moment of impact, Blood had been delivered to those cells, yeah. and it's going to take a few seconds for them to feel that deficit of, oh, nothing's being delivered. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. But there's also this interesting thing, too, with healthy blood vessels. And these young 20, I think Mr. Hamlin's 24. I believe so, yeah. Very young, and gosh, I'm old enough to be his dad, which is crazy. But, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I'm actually double his age. I'm 48. Um, but 
if you compared his blood vessels uh, to an 80-year-old's blood vessels, a 24-year-old guy like Mr. Hamlin is going to have very elastic blood vessels. Right. So when he has that blood, the heart beats and fills up those blood vessels. After the heart stops beating, there's some elasticity that continues to generate a pressure. pressure yeah. So even after that first heartbeat, you still get a little bit of pressure after for that second or so. Because right. if a healthy guy, you know, uh, uh, a heart rate of 60, that's uh, what, a beat every second, right? Yeah. So yeah. Um, you've got that, that, that period between beats that maintains. So you've yeah. got that as well. Yeah. Um, and then you've got the, the delay of the cellular physiology of using up the fuel that had been delivered. Yep. So I think that's where that delay comes from. Gotcha. But you know what's interesting about NFL athletes, and we talked about this earlier, is that they're so metabolically active, functioning at such a high level in an extreme exertion, yeah. that these guys are actually extremely susceptible to brain injury because they're burning through the fuel so fast. Oh, okay. Because, that, because Mr. Hamlin is in the middle of it, a professional football yeah, game, yeah. exerting Burning himself. Burning a tremendous amount of fuel, oxygen, yeah, everything. I, you know, one thing I didn't think about until right now is I wonder how many plays he had been. Uh, it was early in the game. I think it was first quarter. And if I remember correctly, well, it doesn't really matter right now, but right. but had he been on the field a long time, was he yeah. particularly tired and fatigued? Yeah. That could actually play into the risk for anoxic brain injury if he was exerting himself and really kind of at the razor's edge of exhaustion. Mm -hmm. If you go into cardiac arrest at that point, you're more susceptible to uh, damage to cells. Because uh, you so don't have reserves. That's right. Kind of, yeah. If I went into cardiac arrest right now at my baseline just sitting here talking to you, right. um, I would have more uh, bandwidth or more, there'd be more flexibility in getting me back right. without any injury just right. because my, my metabolic rate and my demand of, of oxygen is lower. Right. The demand for oxygen is so high in these athletes on the field sure. that if they go into cardiac arrest, they have less time. Yeah. So even even the the seconds that it took to get out there, those seconds would be much more crucial yeah. than it would be for somebody like you and me sitting here right, right. now. Interesting. Hmm. So the, these are a very unique population of patients, yeah. and somebody we care deeply about. And sure, you know, even though it wasn't a Dallas Cowboy or, or the visiting team that I would be caring for, um, it just really broke my heart to to sure. see what had happened. Only because I touched these things so closely that when I heard about what had gone on and watched the pictures, my heart just sank. I mean, yeah. I feel like tear ducts welling up, yeah. just hurting for them. I, um, I've had an opportunity to meet a number of these professional athletes. They've, they've got families. They've sure. got, they, just they people like just we like are. You. Yeah. 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 And uh, they're wonderful people. Yeah. And, yeah. and they are um, so dependent upon their functionality as a physical specimen right. that these sorts of physical um, problems and diseases and emergencies, I think, hit them even harder. Sure. Only because their livelihood, livelihood is based yeah, exactly. on their physical ability to yep. perform. And, and I really believe, I felt it to a certain extent, just seeing the mortality of a young 24-year-old healthy specimen athlete have something like this happen. Yeah. I think those athletes on the field were really... They, they they feel it in a way that's hard to describe only because they are so healthy. Sure. And to see their comrade fall like that, uh, really, I think, uh, is tough to watch. Oh, absolutely. Brotherhood of the NFL, I'm sure those guys, you know, like being in the military or the fire service, yeah. you know, super, 
super tight. Uh, yeah, a lot of those guys were, you know, obviously shaken up last night. Yeah. Um, so uh, we talked a little bit about the uh, what the pathophysiology basically mm -hmm. of what we think happened last night. Obviously, none of us know for sure. Um, so from an ER doctor, I, I think there's a couple of takeaways. Um, number one, the importance of bystander CPR. Yep. Like if people don't know how to do, you know, it's hands-only CPR now. You don't have to open airways. You're not having to do mouth-to-mouth. -mouth. People don't want to put their mouths on anybody that they don't know anyway, and I don't blame them. But doing those chest compressions early, early is early, early. huge, huge. And then for EMTs, first responders, paramedics, firefighters, uh, you respond to a stadium at a high school or a college or even a young driver in a car um, and something like this happens and you're thinking, golly, why would this young, healthy player go? doesn't have to be a football player. Yeah, yeah. Um, really doesn't. I don't think the treatment changes as much. No. Um, chest compressions, early defibrillation uh, is probably going to be the key. It's restarting that heart. Yep. Um, get it restarted. It's not really a pump problem. He's probably going to start yep. pumping fine right away. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that. Uh, I, I won't geek out on it too long, but the, the studies that uh, were done to, to try to understand commotio cordis a little bit more were done on pigs. Okay. And a lot of the fear initially with commotio cordis was on the baseball players. Um, having a baseball hit you directly in the chest. There's no padding in a baseball jersey. Right. It's the ball versus your chest wall. That's true. And that energy being transferred real easily to the heart could potentially put a, a baseball player into cardiac arrest. And that was the concern. Mm -hmm. And so when they studied the um, these pigs, they actually um, would would shoot a uh, some sort of a projectile the size mm -hmm. of a baseball. And I think it was actually made of wood, but um, into the, the pig's precordial area mm -hmm. to see what would happen. Mm -hmm. And they studied these pigs. And the, um, the, the rhythm that they would go into that was the most common life-threatening rhythm they would go into with a baseball-sized projectile at 40 miles per hour was ventricular fibrillation. But the interesting thing was is that there were other rhythms they went into as well. It's not just V-fib. Oh, there right. were heart block, bundle, bro bundle blocks. I mean, there other they would go into other things too. Now, did that depend on the timing of the cardiac cycle when it hit? Well, that's, that's the other thing. So it's not just the area where you get hit. We mentioned the danger zone, right. the, the 30 the milliseconds wave, yeah. before the peak of the T wave. Yeah. Um, if you get hit during that danger zone, you, you're highly susceptible for potential V-fib, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, but even outside of that, that little window, you get hit hard enough. Mm -hmm. uh, there were other rhythms they would go into, even V-fib, at yeah. other points in the cardiac cycle. Okay. Now, here's where things get a little controversial to me. And I, and I, and I say this out of respect uh, to the Hamlin family. Absolutely. And, and this is just me as a physician looking at the footage probably 100 times now. Is based on the data that we saw in studying commotio cordis, it was, you know, the the projectiles, you know, going 40 miles an hour or greater. Uh, and then uh, they studied actually padded or softer projectiles. And the percentage of the time that they would trigger a bad cardiac rhythm was much lower. And as I watched the footage, um, it, it wasn't uh, like a helmet straight into the chest. Right. Right. It, it was like a shoulder mm -hmm. into the chest. Um, and it was a, it was a violent uh, oh, sure. hit. All their I mean, hits are violent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you guys. see the head knocked back yeah. and the, you know, knocked to the ground. 
honestly, it didn't look, I mean, it's a bad hit. I mean, it looked like, a, right. you know, uh, the type of hits we see. But it certainly uh, didn't look like something where you're like, oh, my gosh, right. this guy is in bad shape initially. So I wonder, actually, uh, because of the way that the shoulder, uh, you know, was the primary impact site, which is, you know, spreads out the the disperses the, um, the energy, the pressure, the energy from from the point of impact and the shoulder pad into the shoulder pad. Right. Uh, with all that padding, uh, now the ballistic nature of the hit doesn't. I mean, it can't take away from that. I mean, right. it was a violent hit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, the uh, based on the data that I read, anyway, I wonder if maybe there was another underlying cardiac condition that had been undiagnosed sure. in Mr. Hamlin to make him more susceptible. Yeah. Um, and there are other things that can make you more susceptible to, to um, a commotio cortis or a cardiac contusion sort of a scenario. Right. I wonder if there was something else going on there. And I think maybe as time goes on, maybe we'll learn more yeah. uh, about yeah. uh, some of these things and learn more about being able to protect other athletes. Yeah. Um, so to your knowledge, has this ever happened in, the, in a pro football game? Uh, I, I've never been a part of anything like this. I know uh, there are situations, obviously, within uh, baseball. Mm -hmm. um, there are, I think, uh, there's older data, mm -hmm. but I think in 2012 there were 216 documented cases of commotio cordis, but they believe that the diagnosis of commotio cordis is vastly underestimated. Okay. So, um, and there, uh, I can't think of a situation in an NFL game where yeah. this had happened. Uh, baseball's different. Um, hockey, there's yep. been some, yep. uh, and um, uh, I think obviously car accidents. And, sure. Um, I once I had I did have a patient at uh, a facility that I used to work at, a level one trauma center. Um, one of the uh, the patients I treated um, got uh, hit in the chest with a soccer ball, mm -hmm. and it, and it he had a pain that was really peculiar, mm -hmm. and um, he. Came back again after we let him go home because he's only like 18 or 19. Yeah, you're thinking, he's fine. He's fine. You yeah. know, um, it, he got hit in the chest with the soccer ball. Um, anyway, he ended up coming back again. And I, I don't remember how many times he came back, but he ended up going to the cath lab. And he actually had a congenital uh, coronary artery aneurysm um, within the coronary blood vessels around the heart. Mm -hmm. He had a congenital problem. That uh, actually created uh, basically like a heart attack in this kid. Yeah. He was actually he had some heart damage mm. because of the chest wall trauma irritating and doing something with the coronary arteries. Yeah, but anyway, he had a pre-existing condition. I wonder if maybe there's something else going on, and I think we'll learn about it. But sure. um, obviously, our, our thoughts and prayers go out to the Hamlin family, yep. to every Buffalo player Bills, on the Buffalo the Bills, yep. and the Cincinnati Bengals too. I mean, the, yeah. The guy that I'm not even sure the guy's name that he was involved in the yeah, hit. number eighty five. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he feels. I mean, you he know, certainly nothing wrong. he did wrong. No, Absolutely no. not. They're just playing the game. But I can't imagine. You know, he's got to be. But it's got to be tough. My heart goes out to all the other NFL teams as well as they grieve one of their colleagues. There's a yeah. big community out there, and and I know that uh, this is really hit uh, a lot of physicians hard too who care for these sure. injuries. Sure. Um, uh, but uh, but the 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 positive side of this i think is it's going to make us even safer yep. and uh, i'm sure that there'll be a lot of very smart people um and you know i i hope that i can be part of something within our community here in dallas to help yeah. us make these games safer yep um and uh, just again thoughts and prayers to the hamlin family for sure uh really um all the best for them yeah. uh, it's a tough time so
Absolutely. Well, that was super interesting. I was curious to get your perspective on mm -hmm. what happened last night. Unique situation and certainly a unique perspective. So yep. that was cool. Very good. I, I think uh, these sorts of situations create a lot of good dialogue. Absolutely. Always fun talking to you, Matt. Yep, me too. Um, I love your perspective. And uh, clearly, I uh, like to share mine. Put it on there. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, we'll see you on the next one. Be safe out there.